it's time for the Culture Trumpet Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Dan. All right, Doyle, tidy. And the other one, Mark. Hey, up, Chuck. Make a sprue. There we are. Hello, listeners. Hello. Hello. Hello, people of Earth. Well, you never know. This might not just be on Earth. Hello, celestial beings everywhere. Hello, carbon-based life forms. There you go. <laughs> I'm always talking about Ancient Shikari. Get Ancient Shikari joke in there. Uh, right, well, uh, episode four, series three. Let's go. Are we episode four already? Blimey. I mean, because I think we do two weeks now in between, it, it feels yeah. like we, we should be on more. Are you saying we're not working hard enough? No, we're working too hard is what I'm saying. Oh, Because right. um, this is just monotonous and not, not monotonous, but it's never ending, is it? There's always I mean, something you almost, you almost sound like about. you don't enjoy doing it. <laughs> it's too hot to do this today. <laughs> so, um, general theme for this week, because normally I think we, we kind of waffle on about it tends to be cinema stuff or streaming stuff in terms of films and TV shows. I thought this week uh, we would dedicate most of the episode to um, physical media, right? Ooh. As much as streaming is doing its thing wonderfully in most cases, in many, in some, of, in a few cases, um, you can't beat a hard copy hmm. of your favourite movie, Snigger. Quite at the back. Sorry, sorry. Um, you can't be the, having a, a physical copy of your favourite movies and TV shows. And I would agree to the most part of that. But we're well. The, the whole reason that, that this topic came up was mm. for those who have been stalking Mark on the internet for a while know that he started SteelbookBlu-ray.com ten years ago. As many as ten. Ten. Glorious years. Gosh, and Britain was still run by the Tories back then. It was. It was. Ten years? It's really been ten years you've been running that site? Yeah, 20, uh, November 2012. Bloody hell. Good for you. I know, I know. So yeah, we, 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 we've been meaning to talk about steelbooks, but more importantly, you know, physical media for a number of episodes. But yeah, you know, the behemoths that are Marvel Studios just keep throwing stuff our way to start talking about. You know, we want to be topical. So, exactly. Um, and this week, not much has happened. No. Well, let, before we move on, let, let's see what has happened this week. Uh, or rather, since since the last episode. Because, I don't know about you, but it, it seems like Warner Brothers just haven't got a fucking clue what to do with DC. It sort of feels like they've brought their child to work and they've let the child make some big some decisions, mm. and they've gone, whatever decision you make, Timmy, we'll act with it, and it's got, and the, the child has gone, shelf back, girl. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> but little do we know that it's actually an 18-year-old incel that's the child that's come to work. It's it, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, um... So, for any... Well, if you've been on off-planet for the last couple of weeks, but basically, Warner's had, had a plan and it seemed like a fairly sensible one to have a big budget guaranteed hits made for theatrical release um you know your your batmans your aquamans shazam um black adam and all that kind of thing and and the flash which mm. you know remains to be seen I was about to say. um and 
kind of build those for theatrical release and then have a series of mid to low budget movies uh, for going direct to streaming. In this case, their HBO Max uh, service. And I think that the first one of those was was Batgirl, um, which had Leslie Grace as Batgirl, uh, stroke Barbara Gordon. Um, uh, she's a musician and she's done some acting work as as well and, and, and singing work, but this was kind of a big break kind of role. Um, J.K. Simmons was back as Jim Gordon from the Zack Snyder's Justice League universe. Uh, we had Brendan Fraser, fan favourite actor, making his big comeback as, as the villain, uh, Firefly. Michael Keaton, of course, back as Batman. Um, directed by the pair um, Adil and Bilal, who uh, directed Bad Boys 3, which was a commercial and critical success. They also directed and kind of defined the look and feel of Miss Marvel for Disney Plus, which again, great looking, fun show. And it's like everything looked spot on. But then... But then there's a merger, Warner Brothers and and Discovery. New bosses come in. And I think a combination of um, stamping their foot as the new bosses, making their presence felt, and basically looking for the easiest way and quickest way to lose as little money as possible. So, so their argument did did you did you catch their argument for cancelling the film? Uh, well, no, well, films plural. Well, they've was, shelved there a, loads. There was an animated Scooby Doo film that was shelved at the same time, which the composer was still composing music for, and he's yeah. uh, from what I read, it got announced that it was cancelled, mm. and this person was still writing music for it. So that's peculiar, but yeah. I suppose he's got to fulfil a brief. You know. Anyway, um, no. What was the reason? Well, the reason they gave originally it was rumored that it was because the film wasn't very good because it got a low test screening score in the in the kind of sixties. But as was pointed out, plenty of successful films got that kind of score before they were finished. There's obviously there's still special effects work and so on to be done. It, for example, mm. only scored sixty on its test screening, and it was a huge hit. Shazam again, huge hit, and the finished product was a great film. So that that reason was quickly debunked, I think. But the reason that the the head of the studio, the new head, came out with was basically they'd looked at the the money they'd spent on it, which was up to about ninety million, so a bit more than it originally had budgeted, and basically said, as a streaming only film, that is not going to bring in 90 millions worth of new subscribers. That's valid. But at the same time, it's not got the look and feel of a huge theatrical epic release. Right. And we don't want to spend any more money on it, kind of doing reshoots and upgrading it to have that epic feel. It's a small-scale film, ultimately. Mm. Um. And so they basically put it down as a cost to the business of the merger, which means they can just write it off against tax. 
Wow. That's a shame. Which is a real shame. I Michael mean, Keaton is it... Batman again, you know. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, st- oh. I, I can't believe that they that one way or the other they would not have made their money back. Because obviously it wouldn't just go on to streaming because worldwide, obviously, um, Justice League, the Snyder Cut, went straight to HBO Max in the States. But worldwide, you had to buy it digitally. You had to pay to watch it. And it was a success as well. And it was a success. Like on Sky Movies, you had to pay to watch it. On, I guess, iTunes, you had to pay to, to watch it. And then there was the disc release, which again was a big seller. So... Okay, they might not have made ninety million directly from it from new subscribers to HBO Max, but worldwide, in fact, it was set for a, th- a theatrical release in the UK next year. So, so worldwide, they would have made the money back. But oh well, I, mean, I think it, more than anything, I think it's just a real shame for the people involved because, like, people spending years on a project for it to just be nah tax yeah, write off, mate. The, the directors found out when one of them got married the other weekend. And the directors found out at the wedding. That's bad. From the internet, Ugh. you know. That's his fault for having his phone at his wedding. But there we are. <laughs> no, that is. But sad. you got like you know the performance like Leslie Grace. It could have been her big hit. She looked good in the costumes. You know, she, right, she clearly down. was. You know, um, and again, Michael Keaton back for Brendan Fraser back. What a waste! What a what a real shame! What a it, real it'll shame. come out eventually. It's, I reckon. I really do. One way or the other, yeah. legally or otherwise, that yeah. film's yeah. going to get out. It's not. It's not quite finished. I think they're saying it's about ninety percent finished. Okay. They were deep in in post production. Um, yeah. Let's move on to happier things. What What have you been watching? Well, lately? I've been catching up with Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. and. I'm currently midway through series five. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it now. <clears throat> cool. It's it's the show that I kind of what I wanted it to be back in like mm. series two and like where I started to lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm seeing the odd spoiler trickle through from the internet, which is fine. It's my fault mm. for not staying up to date. But I you know I vaguely know how it's going to end. I know yeah. certain characters turn up, but it's it's quite interesting seeing how characters in Breaking Bad arrive as as those as themselves there. So, mm. you know, mm. we're seeing the backstory to Fring's empire. Um, we're seeing Mike's, bit more of Mike's backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, obviously it's Sol. And it was interesting to see how quickly he loses Jimmy McGill's persona and goes straight into Sol Goodman when he needs to. That's been quite cool. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm, I'm, I'm sad to see it come to an end again because you know when yeah. Breaking Bad finished I was quite quite sad that that was over yeah uh, and El Camino didn't fill that void but okay okay it's it's been nice to watch something in that universe again yeah and it, be, it is... and it be as good as it was whenever Breaking Bad was out what six seven years ago yeah yeah I mean it's it is a slow burner it does it does take a while to get going but what uh, it does, f- the f- first couple of seasons are are slow going, but yeah, once it does. Um, other than that, we've had Prey released on Disney Plus in the UK, Hulu in the US. Uh, we have, we have. We've both seen it, and I think I'll park that discussion for next week, next time, next time. Okay. You mean you don't want to discuss the best Predator film just yet? Not yet. 
<laughs> I think I need it to sit with me a bit more. Okay, okay, that's fair. what makes it a good Predator film to you mm. may not make it a good Predator film for me. And I think we can discuss that. Well, we'll argue about it for half an hour, I'm sure. Politely, <laughs> <laughs> um, of course. Of course, of course. We never fall out. We're good friends. No, it's, yeah. My 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 first takeaway was bloody hell! This is fresh, and this is what the franchise needed. Mm, yes. Was it the best Predator film? I'm not going to answer that. I'll okay. That's cool. That's cool. I will leave you with this little dangly bit. For, I told for... you to stop putting your dangly bits on the internet. <laughs> I think the most underrated Predator film is Predators, the third one. Oh, with Adrian Brody. Yeah. That was a great movie. It was great, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I just don't think it gets the love it deserves. I think Alien vs. Predator Requiem is the same. Oh. <laughs> Stop. If, any, if anybody would like a podcast job. Stop right there. <laughs> right, let's move on. Let's move on before so, I say something I really regret. Yes. So, physical um, media. Phys- so, yeah, physical media. So, um... We'll get to Steelbooks shortly, uh, but before then, I was very fortunate to be able to speak to um, David Hughes, who runs a small independent UK boutique label called uh, Plumeria Pictures. Okay. Who um, They launched during lockdown. They've released a handful of titles so far, and they've, they've got a couple more on the way. Um. And I really, I reached out to him because I wanted to know really what, certainly for the boutique labels, right? What goes into one, how do you set up a company from scratch? Because you just want to release movies, right? And then in terms of what goes into choosing titles, how you deal with, you know, what kind of condition the source materials are in and, and so on. Um, and David was more than happy to kind of go into some great detail on on stuff like that. So I think if anyone out there as a as a physical media collector ever sits and wonders about you know what goes into the choosing of of, of titles to release from these indie labels, you know, obviously you got the the big indies like Arrow, then you've got your Second Sight, 88 films, uh, and, and now Plumeria. What goes into choosing those titles? And if you've ever grumbled, you know, but, and thought, oh, well, I wish they'd have done this with it and we should have done that with it and, and looking at the limitations of what can be done, um, I, th- I think you'll really enjoy this. It, it's uh, just over half an hour long. Like I said, David was more than generous with his time. Um but I think there's some some really interesting stuff in there. And for what must be one of the, the first ever times, um, because he was so kind of free-flowing and, and coming out with all this information, I, I barely got a word in edgeways. Which is so, rare, I have to say. So f- for many of you, the next half hour is going to be a blessed relief. <laughs> so enjoy it while you can. And uh, we'll see you in about half an hour. Roll the clip. Roll the clip. So um, I'm here with uh, David Hughes from Pluberia, a small independent boutique Blu-ray label. And hopefully we'll be able to cover some areas of interest in terms of the physical market, 
indie labels in general as opposed to the big studio releases and kind of what goes into some of the releases that, that the company comes out with. So thank you for your time, first of all. And I wonder if you could just maybe give us a bit of history about the company, what made you start it and kind of your background and what you did before then. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, for the past 30 years, I've been uh, working um, in film marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, for the last 16 years, I've been running my own film marketing company called Synchronicity. Um, but I've also, for the past 30 years, been writing for Empire magazine since issue three. So I've always kind of had a, um, you know, a, an interest in, in film as a fan and also as a, as a professional. I still write for Empire magazine and I still write for um, Time Out and occasionally other magazines, but basically the day job is making ads for films. And then, and, we, and we've always focused on cinema rather than home entertainment, not because we're snobbish or anything, but that's just because that's where our, um, uh, that's where our business was. So as you could probably imagine, when the cinemas all closed, all of a sudden synchronicity went a bit, uh, you know, dried, the work dried up a bit. So mm-hmm. I needed to find some other interesting things to do. So one of the first things I did, which was like a sort of lockdown project, if you like, and that I've been meaning to for ages, was to basically start a podcast that would keep audio commentaries alive. So Mm -hmm. I would basically go out and find people to do new audio commentaries, um, filmmakers, for their own films. (laughs) And um, of course, it's something that you could easily do in lockdown. And uh, that was two years ago. Now we're basically 20 something episodes into the podcast called Rogue Commentary. And basically, one of the first ones I did was with a a producer and director of a 30-year-old film called Soft Top, Hard Shoulder, which was written by Peter Capaldi and starring Mm -hmm. Peter Capaldi, directed by Stefan Schwartz, who now does like The Boys and The Walking Dead and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was produced by a producer that I knew. Anyway, so... um, those two did the audio commentary for episode two of Rogue Commentary for this film, Soft Top, Hard Shoulder. And then they sent it to me. And then at the beginning of the commentary, the both of them were saying, oh, well, you know, we're going to have to do the commentary while we're watching this like YouTube rip of our own film because it's not available on like any format. Yeah. So I thought, oh my gosh, there's a, well, so basically this guy's got an HD master of the film Mm. So I said, okay, leave it with me. (laughs) And this is literally what happened. This is why I don't know how to pronounce the name of of Plumeria Pictures. It's because I basically had to come up with a name for the company in about 30 seconds. (laughs) I just like looked around the room and there was a, you know, uh, a flower. Anyway, so um, uh, it's good you wasn't on the toilet at the time. But um, so basically I said to I said to the producer, I said, um, uh, not to show you like behind the curtain too much, but I said, yeah. look, you know, I'll go and crunch some numbers. Um, if I can get a Blu-ray produced of this film from your HD master, could we do a deal where we say, look, no money up front, but we'll do the, you know, we'll invest in the production. Mm-hmm. And basically, so this became my second side hustle. All right. So basically using the resources of Synchronicity, the film company, you know, I got the sleeve design. I found a bit of fan artwork for the slipcase cover. Mm. Um, I, uh, and I, you know, I paid the fan to, mm. to use that. Mm. Um uh, basically there weren't there wasn't much in the way of extras but of course I had this lovely audio commentary anyway long story short we brought the film out and uh on blu-ray for the first time and then uh you know all of a sudden and, and the plan was basically the whole of the of the 
Uh, sorry, it's a very long answer to a that's single a, question, but it's, a, it's the whole great. story. Um, but it was, it was, um, uh, and the whole of the business model had uh, been engineered around the fact that I would plunk it onto Amazon and then I would, you know, get lots of orders in, hopefully. Mm. And then I would basically, you know, be, be able to fulfill those orders or have Amazon fulfill those orders. And then I found out one day that, so I never planned to actually sell these directly myself. Mm. I was just going to ship them all to, you know, Amazon, whatever. Mm. And then I found out that um, Amazon doesn't do pre-orders unless you are like an established company and you've right. got permission to do pre-orders, right? So all of right. a sudden I thought, oh no, I've got to sell these myself <laughs> until until like release date. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. so what I did was um, my wife and daughter went out for the day and I basically thought, right, it can't be that hard to start an e-commerce site. Literally within 45 minutes, I had the site like up and running because wow. it was so simple to yeah. do. Yeah. So that's how plumeriapix.co.uk was born. Obviously, I had all the assets, like the artwork for the cover. Sure. I had a 3D picture of the of the sleeve. Yeah. And all you need to do then is start like a Shopify site or glorified, right. you know, Shopify site, whatever. Yeah. So I did that. So um literally but by lunchtime i had i was able to put like pre-orders live and all of a sudden bing Fantastic. you know so so in order to publicize it i went on to my twitter yeah which had i don't know about five thousand followers at the time or something like that and i said today would be a really good day for peter capaldi fans to follow me <laughs> right right and all of a sudden, like one Peter Capaldi fan must have retweeted it to the Peter Capaldi posse. It's, and then all a of a sudden posse. they were saying, oh, I don't know who this guy thinks he is, but blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, soft oh, on wow. shoulder on Blu-ray for the first time ever. So, yeah, we um, so we sold a, a few Blu-rays and I'm talking like in the hundreds, yeah. you know, but, yeah. but basically just about enough to break even. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden I had a label. So then I thought, well, I guess I have a label. So maybe I should start <laughs> looking around for other films to, to find. Now, obviously that one was, was very, um, uh, was, was easy to do in some ways because I had like an HD master that I already knew existed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I also had access to the rights without ponying up what they call an MG, you know, an, a right. minimum guarantee, which, which yeah. to explain, basically you have to give, let's say $5,000 to MGM to get a two or five year license for the, the Blu-ray rights for right. one of their films. Yeah. And you could take the DVD rights as well, if you like, if you mm -hmm. think it's got like potential mass market potential, you know, but I thought, look, I, I, I really want to support physical media and I, you know, I have the, the mean, not the means, uh, but I have the facilities to mm. make, you know, mm. trailers and things like that, because that's what, what synchronicity does as a mm. day job. Mm. Um, and um, it's just basically now finding titles that that have that that sweet spot of you can you can afford the the down payment if you mm. like mm. and the production, mm. um, which is not a small investment because these you know these companies do want a certain amount of money up front and yeah. then you have to pay them. But with their second release, which was sneakers, the numbers kind of worked. 
And basically on that one, I I threw in my lot with um, Film Stories magazine. Mm-hmm. And we basically mm-hmm. agreed to go like, you know, 50-50 on the, on the costs of that oh, title okay. yeah, yeah. and split the, the revenue 50-50 as well. Bear in mind that some of the revenue has to go back to Universal because we yeah. licensed that title, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, Simon Brew from Film Stories magazine, uh, I fixed up an interview with Phil Alden Robinson, a video interview, you know, again, done during sort of lockdown, mm-hmm. uh, which Simon Simon did the interview. And then we edited that into like a 45 minute um, video uh, piece to go on the on the Blu-ray. But we also sourced the original director and cinematographer commentary, which we added to the, the commentary list. But we also mm-hmm. thought, well, I, I also thought there's a, um, there's a, a brilliant film critic in, in I think she's in Chicago, maybe called uh, Priscilla Page. Mm-hmm. And um, so I contacted her and said, hey, you're the world's number one sneakers fan and expert. Would you like to, <laughs> you know, um, record an audio commentary? Because otherwise it's all just dudes, you know. Yeah. Um, and then Simon recorded a commentary with James Moran, who's, you know, pal of his. And they mm. both love sneakers. So they mm. recorded with another commentary. So all of a sudden now I've got commentaries I'm not even putting on on road commentary as podcasts. These are actually now they yeah. exist just for the physical, which is great. You yeah. know? Um, obviously we had to pay to license the commentary um, from Universal as well, which is something people may not know that you mm. also have to license the extras. You know, yeah, just, yeah. You know, kind of a pain. Um, so the next, um, so, so then there was a big, it took a while to actually get the, um, to be honest, you know, without any like investment um it took it took a while for us to to find another film that we could basically afford to get the rights to Mm. because we're not we're not selling big numbers and Mm. one of the issues i found which I, i haven't managed to figure out how to solve yet is that we are selling quite a few of our blu rays overseas to primarily America, as you'd imagine, Mm. um, but also uh, Canada and Australia. But in the UK, we don't seem to be getting the traction that you would expect from a label that's based in the UK. Mm. And that is a bit of a mystery to me. And I think what it is basically is that um, because of the reach of social media, we don't do any advertising as such, but you know, social media is our basically advertising outlet or our marketing outlet. Because the reach is global, And there's, you know, 370 million people in America or whatever. Obviously, there's going to be many more um, collectors in the US than there are here. And it may just be a matter of as our releases continue, so our um, mailing list grows Mm. with each new you know demographic that we bring into the tent yeah and if we were smart about it we would release across various demographics yeah so that we would build a mailing list that way um at the moment we don't really have a focus we we're just kind of releasing like random stuff that we can like get hold of well i was i was going to ask um, you i was going to ask you that because obviously you went you went from don't expect any method to our math (laughs) okay this might (laughs) this might be a brief answer then but because obviously you went from uh, soft top hard shoulder sneakers you've obviously got the new yeah, raises yeah, and monsters yeah. coming release. out in september yeah in september quick plug that's cool yeah. um <laughs> do, do you have a kind of wish list of titles that you, that you want to get or is it just looking around and seeing what's available and whether that perks your interest yeah 
I mean, I do have a I do have a wish list of titles, and I think that list probably has a massive crossover with everybody with all of the other boutique labels' mm. wish list of titles. And I mean, I, I I get the avails, what they call avails, from um, you know from from all of the studios that that or distributors that that aren't necessarily interested in looking at Blu-rays anymore. And I'll give mm. you a, a little bit of in, a little bit of um, a little bit of insight. So. Uh, one of the licensing agreements that I th- that I think is kind of interesting is that um, Second Sight, mm. um, the well-established label, they are about to put out a, and the reason I know this is because we're, the, our, one of our commentaries is on it, but they're about to put out a Blu-ray from, from Signature Entertainment for a film called Bull, for which we... Yeah. Um, got a we, we got a road commentary commentary from the the um, uh, the lead actor and the director. Okay, yeah, which was a very nice episode of of road commentary when the film came out, you know, at the cinema mm-hmm. and to streaming services, and then Signature and Second Sight licensed our commentary from mm-hmm. from road commentary, and they're putting it on the Blu-ray, but. If you look at what Signature is offering in terms of their avails, um, sec- you can see that Second Sight are being very choosy about what they pick up and put mm. out. Mm. And it's the same with the titles that they've done from, from Vertigo's mm-hmm. um, releases as well. Yeah. They've looked at titles which are things like Lake Mungo or Raw mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, and they put out these beautiful, lavish yeah. editions yeah. because they probably know that because there are horror fans out there who are collecting this stuff, mm. then they're going to have an instant cachet. They're going to yeah. have an instant, instant sales with that market. But if you're looking at Paramount's avails and you're thinking, oh, I could do a lovely Blu-ray of Josie and the Pussycats, mm. you don't have that genre fan base to fall back on. Oh, yeah. You yeah. are basically just like, roll. it's a crapshoot then. You're, you're really rolling the dice, literally in the case of Mazes and Monsters. There's you know? not that kind of rabid fan base of a no, particular genre. Exactly. It's just more, and yeah. So Mazes and Monsters is a bit of a curiosity. And what we did with that one is we thought we're only going to do it because we can't get hold of the director. We're not going to get hold of Tom Hanks. You yeah. know, we're, we're, the, the screenwriter's not interested. Um and basically uh, the author of the novel is dead, you know, so right. there's not much that we can do. So what we decided to do is basically go all in on a Paul Shipper, fully painted, brand yeah. new cover, you know, yes, which is that we thought, oh yeah, we thought, oh, that's just going to be amazing because mm. it's a small film, but he's going to make that look incredible. Mm. And he did, of course. Of so, course, you know, yeah. kudos yeah. to Paul. But I mean, it is a bit, you know, so it is a bit random. I, I would like to to say, right, we're, we're now at the point where we're going to start, you know, we're going to step up our releases um, to do a few more a year and you're going to feel that there's some sort of theme going on here, mm. but it really isn't. It's just mm. like looking around at what everyone else is is looking at and trying to figure out um, what could potentially be, not a, but like a massive, you know, hit or whatever, though that mm. would be great, but something that we feel strongly enough about to spend, you know, three to six months doing all the legwork that you have to do to actually put these things out. You know, it's a lot of work to make the marketing materials, to get the cover, Mm. the sleeve artwork done, to think of an idea for the slipcase, if you're going to do a slipcase. So, um, you know, we're doing these kind of minimalist design slipcases that have got a very you know they they it feels like they're building up into something that's like a collection. Visually, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but actually, the title that we're doing after Mazes and Monsters, which I can't tell you about yet, um, but that's all, all, all ready, that, that's all good to go. Um, we're not doing a slipcase on that one because basically it's not one of these. Um, uh, it's not one where I get, where I think the market is going to be strong enough for it that it's going to call for. So what we're doing instead is we're doing lots of extras, but right. we're just saving that extra bit of bit of money mm. to put out a essentially a mass market non-limited edition. It's going to be a, okay. a it's going to be a, a, a wider release. Mm. So we're taking a bit of a chance, but you know we're having to kind of um, grow up in public almost and learn mm. this stuff from scratch because none of us came from. Uh, you know, we didn't work at Arrow for 10 years. Uh, we yeah. didn't, you know, we don't have a background in, in specifically home entertainment releases. So we're having to kind of learn everything from, from scratch. So that said, ju just, just where, yeah. as you, as you said, um, do you have a wish list or anything like that? You know, yes, we do, but we're also very keen to pursue anybody's ideas. If they say, mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? I'd really love it. You know, if there's a, if there's a call for putting out something, Unfortunately, there's probably a good reason why that thing, you know, hasn't hasn't been out yet. It's not yeah. like something like, you know, Red Rock West, where it's just a matter of matter of time before somebody sort of puts up a big enough bid to, mm. to put Red Rock West out onto Blu-ray. And, and mm. I'm glad somebody else did it. So I don't have to go to all that trouble. <laughs> I could just buy it and watch it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm open to ideas, basically. So in terms of once you when, when you're kind of looking around and there's a title that maybe you're interested in and you, you reach out to the studio or the whoever owns the rights at that time in terms of the um materials that you're given so you said for example for soft top hard shoulder there was an hd master and i'm assuming it was in fairly good condition etc but mm -hmm. when you get the kind of source materials are you at the mercy of what the rights holders can give you or is there any kind of further work done or can you go back to them and say, well, look, can you remaster that? Or do you have those kind of contacts that can do some cleanup work if there's some damage and things? Yeah, they're, they're not going to do that because mm. the, it just isn't worth it. Um, mm. One of the titles that we looked at producing, there, there was no digital master available. There was only an Interpos, I don't right. think, or an Interneg. It was yeah. in, it was a 40-year-old film. It was in L.A., and the local LA um, Interpos to digital, like what used to be like digital telecine or whatever, yeah. they wanted just like tens of thousands of pounds to do the to do a feature telecine, right. and that's before you even start cleanup. So right. one of the um, so what we do is we take the best available mm. master that mm. that you get what you what, what you're given, and I yeah. think we've we've seen hints lately that some labels have said oh no we're, we're like not going to take that but we I actually, have read a couple of um, couple of people said yeah that. exactly um but there's um but what we did is we took the master that they gave us and then we with the the, the next release after mazes and monsters and we put that through um itv's um the itv has a has a, a restoration they're doing um, leads near me They've, yes that's right yeah, yeah that's exactly. right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. basically mm. they do commercial restoration as well as doing restoration for like Britbox and mm -hmm. you know itv mm -hmm. hub and film four or whatever they do commercial restoration so we basically paid for them to restore the master that we had received okay so it came out just beautiful yeah you know yeah. and um some of the work that they do is know. fantastic 
Yeah, it's really amazing. So that so that was great. Um, and it gave us a working, you know, workable master that we could call that, that we'd be sort of satisfied with. But then there's other times when it, it might be that there is a um, that the curiosity for um, to actually have like a physical copy of the film with or without some extras, but perhaps mm. with you might say, well, you know, it's worth putting out because we're not going to do like a 4K up-res of this a year later and charge mm. you again for it. But it's just basically we want it to exist in a, in a hard copy format. Now, Soft Top Hard Shoulder wasn't perfect. It didn't go through a restoration process. Mm. But I mean, all that was available previously was a crappy DVD and a YouTube rip of the DVD probably yeah. Yeah. or VHS or whatever. So, you know, whatever you can put out there that's that's better than, than currently exists. I, I don't want to be completely shameless about it, but we have to just, we want to get the film out there. And then if we can, if we can do better later, the, the, there's a very good chance that we won't be able to do better later because yeah. this is what exists and nobody's yeah. going to pay the exorbitant costs to have it because the juice just ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah. So, you and, know. And I guess for some collectors or, or particular fans of certain films, They'd rather have something that might not be perfect than nothing at all, right? So if, the, if I don't know, I mean that's the that's the dice that I'm rolling again. You know, mm. I, I'm not sure. Um, you'd probably know that better than me. As a collector myself, I'm I'm very forgiving mm-hmm. of you know. But obviously, if I go onto the forums of Blu-ray.com and in the depths of, of a subreddit, you know, they're probably people who who are you know um uh, uh, complaining about even the smallest kind of you know digital bits of digital interference or i think the bits that wind me up are people who who are so used to modern digital photography or cinematography that they see grain as as a Mm. problem or actually you know a good transfer captures the grain accurately but that's another that's a whole other yeah why would i want texas chainsaw massacre in 4k when (laughs) it's meant to be enjoyed yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so i guess i guess it's obviously still early days so you've no immediate plans to kind of go down the 4k route or anything like that no but i think um we we did when we were offered sneakers and i did go back to universal and say look you know we would potentially be interested in doing a 4k release but what i don't want to do is um, I don't want to do a, 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 you know, a 2K and then a 4K a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, it would have to be like sort of one or the other. And then I think we just kind of crunched the numbers and decided that even though it w- it meant that the 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 purchase, pr- you know, the, the list price of the Blu-ray could probably be 10 quid higher than the one that we were that, that we were putting out there. Mm. Um, we we wanted to kind of you know hold our water a little bit before we plumped into the you know jumped into the 4k market sure um and see how we got on with blu-ray but i'm certainly open to it if somebody came along and said well you can have this in 4k because we've got because a 4k master exists then i would i wouldn't upres just for the sake of it you Mm -hmm. know then i would definitely be open open to that suggestion and 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 go all in on that format it certainly seems to be an exciting format um i just don't know enough about it as yet and i don't know whether um the jump on a 30 or 40 year old film would be significant you know would be high enough to make it worthwhile that's my that's my my question i need to look into that yeah i mean from personal experience i think if enough if the source materials are good enough and enough care is taken there's definitely 
benefits to it you, you know you really can see the difference yeah. but um again it all depends on the source materials right if it's something that's yeah. shot on 16 millimeter then the difference between blu-ray and 4k might be negligible and is it worth the extra effort yeah. um but then again i was reading the other day that although physical media sales overall are still generally in decline 4k are going up they're mm-hmm. becoming a bigger and bigger proportion of those physical sales so i guess yeah. people have got you know 4k tvs and all the rest of it they, yeah. they kind of want want to get the benefit so in terms of obviously you started during lockdown and that's a kind of difficult time anyway but are you seeing how can i put this there's obviously the streaming services are there right and, and as i've just said the physical sales are in overall decline over the last decade or so but in terms of how the sales have gone so far are you kind of encouraged obviously you're carrying on you've got more releases in the pipeline so it's clearly i guess financially worth it for you but are you overall encouraged with how things have gone and the reception of the releases so far yeah as i say i'm i'm a bit baffled about the um about the uk side of things and Mm -hmm. and what would be interesting is because we're as i say we are kind of learning as we go and and growing up in public what the the smart thing to do would probably be to put out a 4k release so that we could see if there was a bump because you know that format is not in decline as you say so that would probably be a smart move from a business point of view Mm. um but because um the 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 day job or day jobs um have sort of you know uh, i'll have geared up again over the past kind of nine months i haven't had quite so much time to sort of tend the the, the blu-ray boutique garden mm. but i'm i'm now thinking that you know we need to we need to kind of look at this as as something that's where we're releasing things on a more of a regular basis which yeah. is why you know we'll have a couple of titles out before um, before the end of the year and then hopefully move quite quickly on the next few releases because once you decide you're going to do it and I, I recommend this to anybody who wants to start a blu-ray a, a boutique blu-ray label in their bedroom yeah. once you decide that you're going to do it you can actually do it quite quickly because the longest mm. period that you've got to wait is from the sending everything to the to the place that's going to actually produce them and then you know waiting to get them back so yeah. that's the that's the kind of longest period but actually the, the sort of actually physically putting the thing together mm. um if you if you're particularly if you're given the elements like the the existing extras and you just yeah. want to sort of collate it all together so hopefully we can get moving a little bit faster on things but i mean when you suddenly start thinking about like oh what would i like to release on on blu-ray it's like I'm going to London. Where shall I eat? You know, you yeah. there might be fifty thousand restaurants, yeah. <laughs> but you suddenly go blank. So I can't really think of anything. So somebody says to me, gives me an idea for a title. I'll then like devote all of my time to to, to looking to see if that's viable mm. until I know that it isn't. But yeah. also, I'm looking at these avails and thinking, oh, that's kind of interesting. I mean, for instance, um, we just got sent a list of avails the other day, and I immediately jumped on one film that I know doesn't have an anniversary coming up. Hmm. Um, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's been asking after it, but I just, I remember that it's really, really good. Hmm. And I know that people willing, it will like respond to its existence. But the question is, will there be enough people who are still buying Blu-rays 
don't expect it to have a simultaneous streaming release and then maybe they wouldn't even watch it if it turned up on Mubi or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like so hard. And there's also the question of, um, should I maybe look at some of these, um, like an Australian label or something mm. and say, maybe I should be looking at buying, you know, being the UK outlet for some Australian releases. And then I wouldn't have to do all of the work myself because, yeah. you know, there's a couple of companies over there who are doing like really exciting there's, stuff. There's, it's imprint is one of them, isn't it? Yeah. They, they amazing, released, amazing work. they put a breakdown on, on Blu-ray, the Kurt Russell Absolutely. film. And I got yeah. to get the import, but it's a yeah. great little release. It's, there's some nice extras yeah, on there. Beautiful. Good quality transfer. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, the music of chance as well. I think they've just, um, oh, yeah. just put yeah. out or they've just, yeah, really, yeah. really good. Um, <laughs> I, I just wondered, um, there's obviously several labels around the second site. You know, obviously you've mentioned 88 films, Eureka. Mm-hmm. Obviously the Arrow is, is probably the one that most people know well as the kind of biggest yeah. of the small companies. So from your perspective then, what what do you think Plumeria are doing that, that kind of sets them apart? Is it the case of you're not sticking to those well-worn genres? And is it the kind of, not I don't want to use the word random, but is it the kind of more <laughs> eclectic? titles or (laughs) or it's pretty pretty random what what is it that kind of sets you apart from some of those others yeah i mean i think probably that we aren't afraid to go without without a genre Mm. um which you know is probably um you know commercial suicide but i also think that we've got to, because we we use synchronicity for all of the stuff that we we produce on these things it also means that we don't have to rack up overhead uh, on the label itself mm. so each release is kind of its own you know uh, kind of self-sustaining thing mm-hmm. and basically my um my my hope is that you know with each new release we can get we can uh, but like I say, just build up our, our mailing list and build up our presence. And, and as we found, when we announced Mazes and Monsters about 10 days ago, um, we had lots and lots of people who found out about us through the publicity of Mazes and Monsters, but didn't know that the label existed. And then mm-hmm. they went back and ordered like a bunch of things from the catalogue. Yeah. So now it's like, oh, right, okay, so that's a good way to to, to boost your back catalogue. Nice sure yeah. yeah, and I'm not yeah. sure that any of the bigger labels have that opportunity, mm. really, because mm. they're, they're, they're just selling sort of, you know, titles steadily. The other thing is that we are, um, for, for reasons that were originally weren't, you know, you know weren't planned, um, we are now doing all of our sales through direct sales. Mm. And that means that we... Um, uh, we can work o- operate on such a low again with it without the the, the overhead because all mm-hmm. of the stuff that's done through synchronicity um it also means that we're keeping more of the of of the um we're, we're not giving a huge chunk to amazon yeah yeah and um you know it so it creates a little sort of a, a bit of exclusivity there which i think mm. is quite is quite good and also means that these monolithic companies aren't you know i mean obviously arrow is like owned by the hut now so yeah. it's you know they're, they're obviously you know selling through zavi and stuff like that mm. but we're quite happy just to do our, our sales direct mm. and then we can really keep an eye on the numbers keep those um you know hold those margins and hopefully that will mean that we'll be able to do a little bit more in the future but what we won't be doing is sort of we won't be doing like wild experiments of very obscure stuff we'll be doing things where we do actually think i i reckon we can sell yeah. x 
your number yeah. of titles yeah. to, to break even. So, um, you know, we won't be doing any anything super wild. But I don't think we'll know really what our forte is until we've got like half a dozen or a dozen titles mm. under our belts. Mm. And then I think we'll see, oh, okay, that's what we do. There's a pattern. A little bit. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's any any real pattern to imprint in, no, in Australia. No. I just love what they do. I yeah. love that they, you know, they know good films when they yes, see them and, and when the rights come up. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, thanks again for your time. No it sounds really easy. So I'm just probably going to go and set up a label um well pick, I'll pick my first release and the, the ted talk the masterclass one-on-one -on -one anytime that's fantastic um how to set up a, a boutique blu-ray label in under an hour that's brilliant um, that's, that's it <laughs> profit <laughs> that's fantastic thanks again um no problem good and, chatting uh, with you and, and good luck you. with the pod no thank you very much and good luck with uh, all your upcoming releases all right thanks cheers good, bye to, now. good to meet you take and care you too. Bye. Bye. okay so that was um David from Plumeria Pictures. Um, as I say, I really enjoyed that chat and I hope anyone listening out there as fans of the company, their releases and, and just uh, physical media in, in general and, you know, especially these indie companies, these boutique companies, I, I hope you kind of got a bit of there of an understanding of, of what goes into their work and why, you know, we, we've said it before, it's really important to kind of support what they do mm -hmm. because they do work on tight budgets. They do work, you know, they're often small teams um, and there's a hell of a lot of work that goes into it. And if we want to see some of these films that the big studios are just going to not bother doing anything with, you know, we need to show them that there's an audience out there who are going to buy them. And just to throw in here, it's not an ad. We reached out to them if they'd be so kind to come and talk to us, and they did. Absolutely, so that's awesome. So yeah, absolutely, we're yeah. getting nothing from this. No, 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 they're not either, other than a bit of publicity, which is good for them. But yeah, more than happy to give them some publicity. Absolutely, it's not an um, ad. I, I think you know I've said before, and I know it sounds cheesy, but some of these films, you know, they're looking at films now that have never had you know a, a, a disc release ever, or or they've never certainly been to this country or they've never had a high definition release and it's, it's some of these companies that you know the work they're doing you know if not for that work these films might be lost forever you never you know yeah. they'll 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 they they catch this the the raw materials just in time to get them restored and digitized a year later the materials might be lost you know so but links sure are in you, all the usual places we'll put the links in yeah. but but again, soapbox, support what they do, show, show you care. Anywho. Anywho. So physical I guess media. Physical media. And I guess um, specifically Steelbooks, right? That's that's kind of ultimately, as you said earlier on, where all of this came from. Mm -hmm. You know, it was my, my Steelbook site. Um, there's a huge group of collectors out there, which, you know, we see both on my site and Twitter account and on other forums and and so on. Okay, I'll ask you, because you collect Steelbooks. So what is it that you that attracts you to Steelbooks? What's going to make you decide whether to get one or not? Well, to start off with, it was... Let's go back to the beginning. So my first Steelbook was Cloverfield. Um, on DVD, uh, mm -hmm. so that and, you know, looking at the release date of that, it was June 9th, two thousand eight, mm -hmm. and 
I hadn't seen this format of release before. And, you know, back then I was, well, I was a lot younger than I am now. So it was when I first probably started buying DVDs. Yeah. Myself, I was sort of that age. And, you know, it was a great film. Really enjoyed it. It was a film that I snuck into the cinema to see because I was too young to see it at the time. So to me, I think it held a bit of value. You know, it was a bit rebellious and it was probably the, the one. Well, it was definitely the first 15 I saw in the cinema because I snuck in to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't condone that anyway, but... <laughs> I do. <laughs> it, I turned out all right. Um, well, yeah. And, you know, the choice was boring DVD, plastic cover, or this new hard-wearing case. Mm-hmm. And I quite liked that. Yeah. So I remember, I think it might have been for my birthday around that time, um, I asked for Cloverfield Steelbook and, you know, parents being parents, they they had the best they can be, didn't really know what that was. <laughs> so I got. The, I remember my mum saying, I've bought you the special edition Cloverfield, but I'm not sure it's the right one. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. She went, well, I'm worried now. So she showed me, I went, no, that's not it. So anyway, we took right. it back to H&V and the Steelbook was like, it's £2 more expensive and mum berated me for that a little bit. But... <laughs> You know, you know. Jokes aside, she was happy to get the one I actually wanted because you know, parents are awesome in the most cases. Yeah, uh, and so then, yeah, I remember buying um, District Nine around release, uh, on release, mm-hmm. I believe. And again, that's when I sort of—I was always buying normal um, plastic casing Blu-ray mm. DVDs, um, and then the odd special steelbook that would come out. Yeah, but I remember when I sort of properly started collecting steelbooks was when Blu-rays came out mm. and they stopped releasing steelbooks as DVDs. Gotcha. So they moved on to Blu-ray steelbooks, yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. it's then did I really start collecting them. And I, I stopped buying DVDs. But then in more recent years, I've stopped buying plastic casings mm. and I tend to only buy the steelbooks, which is a pain in the ass because they're expensive now. Mm. But you know they they kept moving steelbooks to the premium copy of the the um, uh, the media. So yeah, first it was DVDs, then Blu-rays. So DVDs yeah. got dropped. Yeah. Now now we're at obviously Ultra HD 4Ks, mm-hmm. which sometimes include a Blu-ray, but we're not always getting a Blu-ray steelbook now. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, that was that's a really long winded history of when I why I started buying them but no that's cool my first couple actually were kind of I didn't even realize what they were uh I, I can't remember which order they were in but the, the first ones I got were again DVDs there was 300 American Gangster and Incredible Hulk cool. and and they were they were literally I bought the DVDs and they happened to be steelbooks. Right, gotcha. Rather than specifically because they were steelbooks. Uh, see, I, I did the I did it the other way around. So I was okay. buying them because they were steelbooks. Sure. So so mine kind of arrived, and it'd be like, oh, this, what's this metal box thing all about, kind of thing. Um, and then I kind of thought nothing else of it, but then I had a, a friend who was really into them, steelbooks, and he was kind of explaining to me that. You should see what 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 people buy. They'll they'll buy the same film time and time again f- from different countries, 
because the artwork's different. Okay. So they'll have four or five copies of one film. And and I remember thinking, what idiot buys four or five copies of the same <laughs> film? You'll never fucking get me doing that. <laughs> you know, ten years later. Here um, we are, yeah. So I kind of thought, okay, let's let's look at this. And I, I kind of had a look around and looked in some of the forums and so on and and, and kind of quickly left because some of those places are cesspits. But but in general, I kind of I got what was going on. I thought, okay, this is this is interesting, and, and kind of I wonder how many other people are, are, are kind of interested. And that led me to start the site, which kind of obviously reports on releases that are coming up and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, mine kind of started accidentally almost by by not really okay, realizing what I was buying. Um, I've I've made that excuse before, Mark. Don't worry. <laughs> But I was looking into the history of of, um, of Steelbooks. And I did actually have some backwards and forwards with Scanavo, who are the company who created Steelbooks. Cool. Um, so it should be noted that Steelbooks aren't the only metal packaging for, for discs, right? There's, there's a couple of other formats. Uh, I think Future Pack is one of them, and Metal Pack is another. So... The idea is the same, and if we go back maybe five or six years, you would sometimes get what you thought was a steel book, and it'd actually be a metal pack or a future pack. But those have kind of dropped off now. I don't think anything's released in those packaging anymore. I think it's all actual official Scanavo steel books. But they they sent me a bit of information just around their history and so on. And I noticed that the the first Steelbook wasn't actually for a film. It was for a PlayStation 2 game called Killzone that was released in 2005. I remember the game. So having never owned a PlayStation, I have no idea about that game. I'm not familiar with it. But if you own a Killzone Steelbook, then you own the very first ever Steelbook. Ooh. Um, I know, right? Get search in the loft, see what you can find. Um, <laughs> but obviously, then they quickly went on, right? DVD, Blu-ray, as you said, there's now 4K. Mm-hmm. Uh, game releases are quite regular, and they also do like CD-sized ones as well. Um, there's been a couple of uh, soundtracks released in Steelbooks, and I think they do like the what is it? The the different oh, the Nintendo Wii size weird shaped boxes. Do you mean the Switch ones? Switch, sorry, yeah, the Switch. I've cases. never seen those as steelbooks, but I know I know the size to compare it to. I'm sure I've seen, but anyway, they they do they do all sorts. Now, okay. Right? Um. So from that first few that you started, then with how many mm. steelbooks do you think you have now? I mean, I could go down and count them if I really wanted to. We don't have that long. Uh, rough guess. <laughs> uh. Well. If I look at my complete collection here on Blu-ray.com, mm-hmm. there's 381 movies. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, really. Is that your complete collection? Uh, that I've logged, yes. Oh, right, okay. That doesn't contain most of the DVDs that are still living in boxes somewhere. Got you. Because I'm not that bothered, but I logged all my Blu-rays, all my steelbooks at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, when I moved out for insurance purposes, really, just yeah, you know, sure. or you know, if something ever were to happen or I got robbed or whatever, I'd be able to go back yeah. and see what I own. 
Yeah. Insurance purposes is a shit excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's probably a good mix of 60, 40 plastic versus steelbooks. So. Okay. But some of them are collections. I, I genuinely couldn't put a number on it. Okay. I wish there was an easy way of doing it on, on certain websites, but there isn't. Oh, they don't make it easy, do they? No, but like, I don't know. There's probably good over 150. It's got to be. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I've asked you that question without having any idea how many I've got either. Oh, thanks yeah. for putting me on the spot, mate. That's all right. I've <laughs> I know my complete collection of everything is about 1,300. And is that type, including your DVDs, type. your Blu-rays, UHDs? Yes. Everything? That's all my discs. Okay. Uh, now, that's titles, right? So, obviously, some are box sets that have got several discs in them. Sure, sure. But I th I'm looking at that on the shelf behind me. I'm going to say that maybe one-fifth to one-quarter are now steelbooks. Okay. So, we're looking at what we're looking at. Maybe between 300, 400, maybe. In fact, I will be able to give you a correct answer. Looks to be about 115. Okay. So Call yeah, yourself that... a collector. Oh, shut up. What the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favourite? Do you or do you have a favourite? Uh, do you know? I, I have. I I used to. So the first sort of collection that I started collecting seriously for steelbooks was the MCU, and I still do it to this day. Mm -hmm. But I started collecting it from Avengers Assemble. Oh, right, okay. So I bought Avengers Assemble. Mm. That's phase one, right? I then bought Iron Man 3, which mm -hmm. is partway through phase two, and then I went, mm. oh, I want to start collecting the MCU now. So I had to go back and buy the first Avenger, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 1 and 2, Thor, mm -hmm. uh, Ant-Man, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and my white whale at that time was either Ant-Man or oh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. So, oh. Guardians of the Galaxy was the cassette player, which I thought oh, was yes. incredible. And my yes. favourite one was the SSD solid state drive of Ant-Man. And little teeny tiny Ant-Man was in there. That was nice. And I remember at the time that was the most expensive, uh, not, not Guardians, sorry, Guardians was the most expensive steelbook. <clears throat> Pardon me that I'd had to buy and I think it was like 50 quid second hand from CX mm, mm. so at that point I was like Jesus Christ but it was like the last one to complete my rebuy if you like of the MCU and then from then yeah. I've been buying them as they come out as the new yeah and that was yeah. very very grateful to your website telling us when it was coming out mm. um, so you know I've got all of the MCU now on Steelbook um, a bunch of the X-Men movies mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but my favourite Ah, I really don't know. It, as I said, it used to be one of the MCU ones that was really tough to get. Hmm. I can't really say. I don't know. I pr I like the Jaws 4K that came out a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. I really yeah. like that because it's just the artwork and it's just solid. And the special edition they do is pretty cool. Yes. But I don't think I have a favourite. Um, okay. One of the most obscure ones I have is Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. <sighs> but that's cool. Um. Oh, I tell you, I tell you a collection which was really hard to find because uh, again I started buying them after the fact was mm. the Sherlock TV show. 
They were nice as well, weren't they? Well, yeah, but it brings me on to a point of not all of them fucking match each other. That is... Yeah. that That's one of the real criticisms I see a lot, and I have to agree, which we'll come on to in a second. But yeah, I think my favourite art is probably... It is a matching set, and it's the Breaking Bad set. And that's interesting, because one of my favourite items in my collection is a Breaking Bad set. Right. But it's not Steelbook. So uh, is it the barrel? It's the barrel. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is worth a fortune now. But uh... I think it is. But but they brought out... Um, I think it was a Zavi exclusive in the UK, but you could get them, obviously around Europe, I think it was a European release, and it was artwork by Ralph Steadman. They were the cool and, cartoony things, weren't they? Yeah, like yeah. the kind of caricature, sketchy things. And I remember at the time, they were so divisive in terms <laughs> of the the feedback and the comments were like... I mean, I love them because I like Ralph Steadman's artwork anyway, right? So I just thought they were brilliant combination of a fantastic artist and a brilliant subject and a matching set released at more or less at the same time just fantastic but some of the hate that it got in in terms of artwork but that that was a matching set and when they there is a set released kind of after the tv show or movie series is finished fantastic right because there's this upcoming godfather trilogy box sure uh, not a box set, but the, the trilogy release that's coming out, that looks really nice. There was the Game of Thrones, there's been a couple of those there's a regular steelbook and then the 4K steelbook each of which, they had different art but each set had matching artwork Because for um, me, the bit that I need to match in my head is the spine <laughs> I yes. don't give a Toss what the front and back looks like because I don't right. display like that. And if you do, you're yeah. a nutter because how much space <laughs> are you taking up? So if the spine doesn't match, oh my but god! And, and, and even if it's just slightly off black, the, so the one I'm going to bring in here is the Jurassic World Jurassic Park steelbooks. Yeah, years a couple of years ago, um, it was probably the first 4K release on steelbook. Um, Zoom.co.uk, remember them? They yeah. did um, Jurassic Parks one, two, and three. Mm. Then Jurassic World was released with HMV, and it matched. Yeah. Now, Fallen Kingdom Fallen Kingdom also matched, but I think it's yeah. slightly off-colour. But, but here, it matched, and the angels sang, because it was like... Well, it didn't really match. Well, it, oh, but it matched enough, let's it, it, ma- it matched enough for me not to rip my hair off. Yeah. But, Whereas... But... <laughs> Dominion, nothing like him. If if has that been confirmed yet? Yeah, it's nothing like. Fuck's him. sake! Nothing like. Him. What's the what's point? Worse, but what's worse, you see, is there's the steelbook you can buy on its own with the Raptors on the front, which doesn't match the existing ones. Which also is like two seconds of the film. Sure, but there's also a six movie steelbook box set, which has got different art again. And ha- now, hang on, hang on, hang on. Where can you get that, Mark? That was a Zavi exclusive, but it's sold out now. But I think Best Buy in the States. Well, I don't I'm live sure. in there, do I? So, right, I'm here sure we are. Other, other Amazons in the UK. So, Jurassic World Ultimate Zavi exclusive Steelbook Collection 4K yeah. Ultra HD includes Blu ray, not an ad. So, 100, those releases. 100 
and yeah. 19 pounds. Yeah. So something that I've already collected. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah, but but they aren't those six all match. Yeah, but Mark. <laughs> I'm 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 a collector, not a recollector. I'm not suggesting you buy it. I'm agreeing with you here. Is that that's even more infuriating? And what? Because because they released. Oh. They've released five, six standalones where the last one doesn't match. The fifth one will give a pass, but the last one really doesn't match. Or a box set. Oh, of I've just six. seen the artwork. Fucking hell. And it's nice artwork, isn't it? It's stunning, but. Right? But it's different hell. artwork. And that's the only way you can get a matching set with different art again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And there's, you know, they're not the first, are they? So you know? this is this is where the the argue for, argument for steelbooks falls over. Is that like they're pretty, right? They're pretty. They're yeah. hard. They're durable. Yeah. But yeah. you're more likely to get a matching set years down the line of sequels by buying the 4K Ultra HD or slipcases. Or once once the box once the series has finished, if you're buying it as the series goes along, unlikely. Well, I think most... Oh, sorry, unlikely that they'll match. Yeah? Okay. Yeah? Oh, okay. Because there seems to be... I mean, we've had steelbooks of the Fast and Furious films that came out around the time Fast and Furious 6 was out, and those six match, but then 7, 8, and 9 are all different. Individually, 7, 8, and 9 don't even match each other. They're all completely different. Obviously, you've got stuff like Star Wars. They, They... the only reason the Star Wars ones have matched in terms of their style is because they have a style of poster that is consistent. Well, again, I'd argue that they, used they, the poster art, they didn't they? for a long time, and then when they re-released them on Steelbook, gosh, when was that, two years ago? Yeah. Um, that's when I actually recollected them, and, mm. oh, God, my wallet didn't thank me for that. <laughs> but... Um, just have a quick look here on the thingy. There we go. So yeah, when they re-released the whole Skywalker saga on Steelbooks, mm. yes, they started to match. But then Disco Vader came along in the middle of that. You know, episode four, five. Episode five. It's good artwork, but it's not the poster artwork like every other one had. Well, it's the teaser poster artwork. Yeah, but it's not the poster artwork. It's It's... Artwork that was used on an official poster. Yeah, but Mark, it's not following the trend of the other ones, is it? What the ones that used also used artwork that was used on official posters. Yeah, but looking at the best one they ever made, <laughs> The Last Jedi, that is the theatrical poster. Yeah. Um, looking um, at the Phantom Menace. Yeah, and that that Empire poster was used in theaters. Yeah, yeah. So that's a theatrical poster as well. If it's not the, the, not, maybe not the final. Yeah, and it was also scratched to shit, and I had to wait. How long did we wait in the end for that? Oh, there were problems with that one actually. Yeah, they? yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. So, let's talk about re-releases because we're, we're going to be this. This is going to be a long ass episode if we don't get through the points. Re-releases, yes. One of the regular complaints is that certain titles uh, get released again and again and again. Yeah. And people are like, why is this getting its third, fourth, fifth, whatever release when film X or my favourite film or this classic film hasn't ever had a Steelbook release? Yeah. Now, I think I know the answer to that one. Well, to me, it would be because the other ones have sold out, we want to make more money. Basically, yeah. Yeah. 
this money, isn't it? So it's like Disney know that they. I mean, how many different MCU collections has there been? There's been the original ones that came out as each film came along. Then there were like the 4K. Oh no! Then then there were a series of lenticulars. Then there were some collections, like there was an Iron Man one to three steel book. There's yep. a Captain America one and a Thor one. Then there's the 4K ones. Then there were the Mondo ones. So there's been, what, four, five editions at least of each? And why? Because people buy them. Yeah, people people buy them. It sells out. And then, bosh, they go, well, we'll do another one. And if they spent the time and, and effort and money on releasing whatever, not necessarily obscure, but not as high profile film and it's only got a few fans and it doesn't sell well that's it it doesn't sell they won't do that again they'll go back to star wars and release another set of star wars so So, with that in mind do you hmm. know what film you have bought the most repeats of i think probably the thing good okay because that ties in with the comment that we have yeah, so not all steel books. That I've got a couple of non-steel books, but they're special editions. I've then got the Mondo steel book by Jock, which is a signed one. I know you've mentioned that in the past. Yeah. So the thing, yeah, probably, and I'm guilty of it myself. A couple of the Marvel ones, I've probably got two or three, um, because you know that I like the Mondo artwork. Yeah, yeah. That came out for one and so on. So. So there's a few that I've maybe got two or three of, but I think that's the maximum. Okay. But but the thing, yeah, because um, we did get some comments in, and and, and I think one so, person. Did you not want to right. ask me? Oh, so, I beg your pardon. So rude. All right. Well, now you know how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, fair enough. so how about you then? What what's your repeat by so or... with it's I didn't realise I well one I definitely knew but the second one is a bit of a surprise. Mm. So I didn't realise that so the one which is slightly more surprising uh is I think it's Jurassic Park and The Lost World. Oh right okay. because I bought originally I had the blue uh, the DVDs and no, sorry originally yeah. I had the Lost World DVD. Yeah. Then I remember buying a Jurassic Park trilogy DVD steelbook in London somewhere in a in a Cax. In a, uh-huh, in a uh-huh. Yeah. Then I had the Steven Spielberg's director's collection Blu-ray box set, which I think is stunning. Oh right, yeah. And then I bought the steelbooks in Ultra HD, so I've had it on right. DVD twice, Blu-ray once, 4K once. But mm. the one that I really I, I actively knew this was being multiple buys was Jaws. Right. So, good old Jaws DVD, Steven Spielberg collection. Then I bought mm. the Blu-ray Steelbook, and then of course they brought out an Ultra HD 4K, <laughs> all singing, all dancing collectors. Did you do that? Of course. Which had a misprint book, which I ended up selling on eBay for a couple of quid. Thank you whoever right. bought that. <laughs> and yeah, I bought that four times, and I still yeah. have the DVDs probably long gone, but I've still got the Steven Spielberg collection of the two Steelbooks. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't know about you, they sort of sit there and they go, I ain't getting rid of that. Yeah, because it's like, oh, there's a new one coming out, but I don't want to get rid of the old one. 
because I, I like that as well. If, and is it is is it kind of the film or the artwork that that will grab you? Would um, you buy? Would you buy, say, any <laughs> Jurassic steelbook or any Jaws? Well, not now, no. Hmm. But at the time, rebuying the Jaws Blu-ray was because of the artwork. You know, I had it in a collection. I wasn't. I didn't want the DVD anymore. Yeah. So it was either a Blu-ray just as a disc in this big book. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just want the steel book. Brilliant. And then they brought out the Ultra HD one. I was like, oh, I would like to see that in Ultra HD because it's been reviewed really well and it's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And it is yeah. one of my all-time favourite films. Yeah. But my question to you then is, have you... And I, I know my answer to this. Have you bought steel books even if you dislike the art but you just know you have to own that film? Either as part of a collection you're building or because it's an obsession. I don't know. No. If I really don't like the artwork, I will buy the regular release. However, I have bought steelbooks where I don't like the film, but I love the artwork. That's interesting. See, I've not done that. Mm. I have made my bed of collecting the MCU in steelbook form. Yeah. And some of the Steelbook artwork has been horrendous for those mm. films. But mm. I've started, so I shall finish. Yes. And coming back to the continuity of spines, yeah, non-existent in the MCU world, but you can buy mm. these like uh, magnets. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's a, the guy, there's a couple of people, aren't there, who, who make those. So I think customs. mine was yeah. trapped called Drumass on eBay. Rings a bell, yeah. But to me, it's it. like up to one of the first Spy- new Spider-Man films, and I haven't got them since. And it's like, mm. ah, you don't do them anymore. Oh. <laughs> so I need to find one. He's from Texas, which is really expensive. Uh, or, yeah. just, or just took ages to ship. Um, yeah. Through no fault of his own. But I need to find a UK-based one. But I think you can get them on Etsy. But I just want. Yeah. I think I just want more plain ones. Mm. But yeah, mm. it's just... Uh. No, I've, I have bought stuff... Purely for the artwork. I think um, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Terrible film. It, it's not a good film. I, you know, any, I appreciate its importance in the place of horror, blah, 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 but it's just not a film I like. Um, but the Steelbook is really nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if, if I don't like the art, I'll just skip it and, and go for the standard release. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not kind of obsessive in terms of I must buy this in steelbook form just because I've got the others, you know. But but again, you know, other people will pay it. And it's the same as from the studio point of view. If people pay that money, then studios or, or whoever this person is will charge that money. And as much as people complain about the prices going up to 30 quid for 4K or 32 for Disney releases or, or more for, for some other labels, it's stop buying them then. So going back to what's had too many releases, Titans of Cult, who launched, God, must be three or four years ago now. Is that it? Uh, yeah, they're not not been around for that long. Okay. Doing like these deluxe 4K Steelbook releases, which are admittedly very nice. Some of the titles I've chosen are a little bit questionable. I don't think we needed a 4K deluxe Steelbook release of fucking Space Jam. Right? <laughs> But they've done Blade Runner, Mad Max, Fury Road. They did Wonder Woman was one of the early releases. Goodfellas, Halloween, 
our favourite 2018. We don't Halloween. get paid to mention Halloween, but we will no, every we episode. Don't. We will. Um, and, and a few others. And their next release is going to be The Thing. Which I'm going to buy this time. Yeah. Because I, I have the it's... Arrow Blu-ray, which is phenomenal. Yep. But I don't have it in Ultra HD, and I've been put off buying it for... I don't mm. know why, but I just have. The the 4K is superb, because Arrow did the 4K remaster, but they just released the Blu-ray, not a 4K disc. But Universal have taken their 4K remaster, it's their disc and it's their release, and it looks incredible. It really does. And Titans of Cults artwork and packaging looks nice, right? Good. But here we are now with what the fifth, sixth, easily, Steelbook release of the thing. And I'm sure there's other films that have had more. If you look worldwide, I bet you some of the Dark Knight films have had more releases worldwide. I've and got again, a few of them, yeah. And, yeah, and again, the Marvel movies. What? I mean, there's got to be a limit, right? Before people just get pissed off. Well, yeah, you, probably. You'd think. I'm just going to agree with <laughs> you on that one. There doesn't seem to be, though. That's the problem. So here's here's one that was sort of... Um, it's been inspired, I guess, by a comment we had in. Uh, so yeah. this is from Ian Hunt. Thank you for getting in touch. In the comment, he mentions HMV DVD steelbooks. Hmm. The bit that I struggle with these days is obviously you get a Xavi exclusive. Yeah. And then might get an HMV exclusive. Amazon in the game as well. Yeah. And yeah. It, I do find it quite hard to narrow down which one I'd like. And then it's trying to play which one's going to match the collection at times. And uh, Yeah. yeah. It, it's a strange... Well, look at... Well, all right, yeah, let's go back to The Thing, right? Because when The Thing 4K came out last year, uh, Zavi had an exclusive with artwork by Matt Ferguson, which matched the artwork he did for the Studio Canal John Carpenter releases from a couple of years previously, which was fantastic. Not only was it matching artwork, it was matching artwork from two different studios. But Universal asked him to make the artwork match what he'd done for the other ones. Okay. Unheard of. Brilliant. (laughs) Fantastic. Because, like, genuinely, he did the four for Studio Canal. Universal said, do it like those. For fans, for collectors, brilliant. Please do that more often, right? But that so that was a Zavid release. But then at the same time, Amazon had their own exclusive with different artwork, and it's like, so do you buy both? Do you just buy one? So you're right. Which which, which one do you choose? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you get stuff like where, all right, HMV had their exclusive of the Batman, which came in a slipcase with art cards, etc. Looked nice. And it had one particular piece of artwork on the steelbook. And now Xavier doing their, this Batarang box that's got two steelbooks in it of artwork that was used in other countries. Yeah. So two different steelbooks in one box. So it's like, okay, if you're a collector, you're going to buy that and have three steelbooks of the same film. And I, I know people will have a pot shot at Xavier a lot. And I think that's purely because they do more exclusives than anyone else right now. Agreed. You know, Amazon do a few. HMV never have never really recovered from their heyday before they had all their troubles. And Xavier have picked up the slack. And it's difficult to blame the retailer, right? Because it's ultimately what gets released is down to the studios. And if, if a studio comes to Xavier or any retailer and says, right, we want to release this, we want 
a minimum order of 5,000 copies, 10,000 copies, whatever. Do you want it or not? And HMV say no. Zavi will say yes and vice versa. So it's, I understand why people get frustrated and kind of point the finger at the retailers. But ultimately, it's the studios. They're the ones who are coming out and just re-releasing the same old things again and again because ultimately they know they're going to sell. And going back to what we were saying earlier, this is one area where I think some of the independent labels do at least make an effort to bring some of those, you know, Arrow do more steelbooks than the others, but the others do, you know, they will do a steelbook release of something that's a little bit more obscure Mm. and they will put a bit more effort into it, you know, Second Sight have done a few and, and so on. Well, for the record... Go on. For record. I still quite like collecting steelbooks, despite its foibles. Oh yeah. And its shortcomings. I still enjoy Have you it. found have you found yourselves getting yourself getting more choosy? Yes. As I've got older, certainly, because, you know, adult money go, needs to go further. Yeah. And unless it's the MCU, I think twice about pressing pre order. But MCU would always get your Oh, hundred percent. Okay. And I have friends who are massive into their films. Yeah. I've got one particular friend who's massively into his films but doesn't buy anything anymore. Constantly relies on streaming and digital, mm. which I completely, mm. completely understand. I rely on digital for certain yeah. things. Yeah. But, 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 your internet goes down. Mm. You've got little source of entertainment these days. Mm. What's that? Here's Jaws in four different versions. I'll bug mm. it in the Xbox. Yeah. Boom. Entertainment for two hours. Yeah. I think streaming, you know, we love streaming, right? Not No argument there. But I do think one of the things that we're losing is those physical releases. When you look back at Netflix, they at least started, they got a few seasons in releasing their Marvel shows. And they had some nice steel books with artwork by the comic book artists. And at least you could get a physical copy of the Netflix shows. And obviously they stopped eventually. But you look at something like Prey, right, that's just come out. Now, that has been in such good reviews and such positive feedback. And I've had loads of people asking, is that going to get a physical release? Now, that would be, I guarantee that would be a bestseller. And looking at the promotional artwork and posters that have come along. It would look good on Steelbook. It would look fantastic, right? It would look fantastic. And they could put it on, to be honest, with minimal effort, minimal extras, just a good 4K transfer Atmos soundtrack some nice artwork and that thing would sell out in a heartbeat and i've asked zavi Ooh, exclusive. And the answer, well because they they do the disney exclusive right so if anyone knows zavi are gonna know and the answer i got back was basically no it doesn't look like they did, did they not just it. say keep an eye on our socials no, no i have i have better contacts than good that. good i'm glad because every time i see that i'm like Thanks for it. It's you, like, I don't, don't know. I know hope this helps. Anything about what you've been asked. No. <laughs> no, fortunately, I've got some higher up contacts. Good for you. And we both agree that would sell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and as much, I think Xavi have tried suggesting a few different things to Disney to, to do something in the Steelbook, right? So I don't know. For example, would, would you be interested, for example, if they brought out a, a steelbook for WandaVision or Miss Marvel or one of the series, a Loki, whatever, it didn't have a disc in it? No. Okay. 
You one, wouldn't want the book just for the shelf. No, it takes up space. No reason. All right. No need for it. That's cool. That's cool. And I've already got Disney Plus. Yeah, so you can watch the thing on Disney Plus, but you've got your Steelbook and, and, to go and with, the, with the you've got your MCU Steelbook collection. Feel, feel up at the Steelbook at some. Yeah, but I'm collecting the MCU movies. <laughs> right there, on we TV are. TV shows not included. No. Okay. But start wrapping it up. <laughs> all right, we'll wrap up. But I think in terms of obviously streaming is taking over. Overall, disc sales are declining. Physical sales are declining. But I do think they're still being kept alive by the collectors who go for steelbooks and other limited editions. Physical media will always win. It's going to be it the will. best possible, best possible quality you could get. Yep. It's going to, it's not, it's going to degrade, obviously. But if the server gets shut down or goes bang, mm-hmm. you got it. It's tangible. Yeah, I do think that. Certainly, the big studios, not not the indies, because they know what they're doing. They are kind of doing the Lord's work. But I think the big studios can't afford to get complacent. If we see another round of MCU Steelbooks, I know you'll buy them all. <laughs> I'm keeping them going. Whatever, right? You're keeping them going. Oh wait, no, I don't buy. I don't rebuy the MCU Steelbooks. I want to say I all of mine are original editions. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I should clarify so, that. So you didn't go through the lenticular collection? Oh, bollocks to that, no. Right, okay. But there are people who do, right? Oh, yeah, and good for them, but no. But I think that some of these studios do run the risk of taking the piss. And certainly the way things are Disney taking the the piss? Never. No, right? But I think certainly the way things are going at the moment, people are going to be a lot more choosy about what they buy. Uh, Cost of living crisis, steelbooks are going to be the first thing they get the back end. And I do think... If studios want to white kind of get through that, they need to get a bit smarter and and kind of you know tap into some of the stuff that maybe hasn't had releases yet. Otherwise, people just won't bother. They're not going to bother buying their fifth copy of fucking Jaws or whatever it might be. Oh, I might. Well, you might obviously, yeah. To go with your Jurassic Parks that you've got <laughs> and all that. Anyway, hey. we finally did it. We finally spoke about steel books. Happy now. I'm happy. I'm delirious. Good. I'm looking forward to a lie down after this episode. There's probably things we still didn't cover. Oh, we definitely didn't. And I'm sure people will happily send comments and follow-ups, and it might be so subject that we come back well, to. Well, I'd, I'd like to do a, a listener, listener edition, listener feedback comments edition of yeah. the Culture Trumpet podcast, and whether it's good or bad, I think it'd be quite fun. I would actually also like to, if any listeners out there who are interested, have a chat with some collectors. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Um, just to kind of, you know, we, we've talked on about what we collect and what we like and whether it's steelbooks or movies in general Lego. or Lego or whatever it might be. What do you guys collect? And even if it's like the obscurest thing, if you collect like China dolls. I want to know. I want to. I want to. I mean, that's a bit creepy. I'm not sure if I want to. It's the that. first thing that came to mind. There's weirder things I could have spoken about, Mark. <laughs> the fact that that's the first thing that came to your mind is even creepier. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, if there's any collectors out there that, that I, I collect can, guitar can, picks. Can I... Nobody want to know about that. No. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Thank you again to Plumeria. If I'm saying that correct. I think that's that's the way Why to not? say it. I appreciate that. That thanks for coming on. Um yeah, give him a like, give him a follow, buy some stuff. Yeah. All the links in the description. Not an ad. Not an ad. 
And then we'll see you here. No, we won't fucking see you every week. God alive. I just let you keep saying it. I don't know. The worst bit is I don't even edit it out. I leave it in. (laughs) You'll be listening to us in a few weeks. If you're lucky. Or not, as the case may be. They're always unlucky if they tune into this shit. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, I'm off to to polish a few steelbooks. Nice and slowly. Making eye contact with anybody in the room, even if it's the dog. (laughs) Catch you later. Bye.